This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Hey, isn't it an amazing day outside? I mean, it's beautiful. Like, this might be the best day we've had so far, and I'm about to mess it up. (laughs) Because tonight, we're going to talk about death. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be awesome, and I'm pumped up about it. I'm excited about this series that we're going to spend over the next several weeks, three weeks, talking about uh, eternity and heaven and hell. And let me kind of set it up for us tonight this way. Um, yesterday, I took my three boys. I got four boys, but I took the three boys that can actually walk and talk and go to the bathroom on their own. I took those three boys to Dick's Sporting Goods just to kill some time, and my boys really love Dick's Sporting Goods. They love just kind of going around, looking at things, looking at the bats. Like, they always try to find the most expensive, you know, baseball bat. There's a bat that's like 400, 500 bucks there, and it's crazy. But they go around for the whole hour just kind of going from one thing to the next thing. And I spend the whole hour saying, put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back, because that's what dads do. But we looked at everything. We looked at the fishing stuff. We looked at the, the hunting stuff, you know, all the guns. My boys love anything that shoots or kills stuff. They love that stuff. And we looked at all the targets and deer stuff. We saw, the, for you hunters, we got any hunters in the house? All right, all right. We got some hunters. We saw the, the, the deer cameras for sissies. Don't be using those. That's like cheating. We saw, my boys were amazed that they, there's this thing called deer pee that people would like squeeze on themselves when they go hunting. They'd love that. But we spent like an hour, hour and a half there just kind of going from one thing to the next, just looking around. And when we left Dick's, I had this thought. Everybody that buys something at Dick's that was going to purchase something that day leaves from Dick's with the assumption that they are going to participate in some future activity. For example, you go to Dick's, you get a golf club. You leave there assuming that at some point in your life you're going to play golf. This is a very smart crowd. Golf, right? Like you leave there. You don't buy a club thinking you're never going to use that club. Everybody that, that goes there and buys any fishing gear leaves with the assumption that at some point they're going to go fishing. How many people you say, you know, you're probably going to go fishing here in the next week, two weeks, month, or whatever. We got some fisher people. Yeah, a few. All right. But they left there with the assumption that they were going to go fishing. Or you buy hunting stuff, you, you're going to go hunting. Or some of you are like, I don't fish, I don't hunt, I play golf. But maybe you would say at some point, I'm, I'm going to go shopping, and that's great. But here's the thing. I was, I was thinking about this, that even though we have this idea, everybody thinks they're going to do something, that assumes they're going to do something in the future. Maybe it's going to go to a baseball game or a football game. You're going to watch this or that or go to one place or the next Every one of us in this room tonight has something that we think we're going to do, think we're going to accomplish in the future. But here's the news flash for everyone. And it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your age or your 
social status or your political preference, the only thing we all have in common is the fact that we're all going to die. You're like, Colby, why can't you be more positive? I'm positive we're all going to die. Every single one of us in this room. And there's nothing that that we can do about it. Um, We don't like it. We don't want to talk about it. Maybe the only times that we address the subject is at a funeral of a friend or a family member when someone passes away. No one in this room has any idea when they're going to die because we don't get a guaranteed 80 years, right? Some people don't get 80. Some people don't get 50. Some people, you know, don't get 20. Some people get less than that even. So we don't know when it's coming. All we know is this. Eternity is a certainty. Eternity is a certainty. It is a reality. We're all going to face it. And it doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian. In fact, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, someone just invited you to church, you're just checking this whole thing out, kicking the tires, I'm glad you're here. This is one of the things that you and I, you know, you can agree with me on is that we are all going to die. But we fight it, don't we? We try to eat better, we try to prolong it as much as we can. Some people get real crazy, and you go spend all your money at, at Whole Paycheck, I mean Whole, whole Foods Market. You eat gluten-free, non-GMOs. You eat vegan, you know, all that stuff. And I'm not knocking any of that. That's great. You want to eat quinoa and kale and kombucha or whatever that stuff is, fine. I'm eating Rita's, all right, and I'm going to be happy about it. But again, we can be healthy, and we all try to push this off, but the reality is none of us in this room can, that we're all going to die. So we even, we'll work out. We'll like go to the gym, right? We'll do Pilates. We'll do um, plyometrics. Uh, maybe we'll do CrossFit. Any CrossFit people in here? You guys are crazy. Those of you CrossFitters? Everybody's at the 5 p.m. They're like, we don't CrossFit. We just, <laughs> we just sit around. That's why we're here at 5 p.m., bro. P90X? P90X? One, all right, sweet. Like, I did P90X for two weeks. Is this supposed to be like 90 days or something like that? I did it for two weeks. In fact, Kristen and I, we got P90X in the mail, and the, the time we stopped was that when they did the yoga sessions. Like, I could do all the other stuff. I can't do yoga. I'm the most inflexible person on the planet. But now, there's even something called hot yoga. Did you know that? Like, where people get into a room, of 95 degrees to 105 degrees, degrees, sweating profusely, and they do yoga. Like, that sounds like hell to me. That sounds terrible. We're going to cover hell, like, in two weeks from now. And I'm thinking about just coming in here, let's crank up the, the heat. Let's just do yoga, and we can all experience that. But the reality is, eternity is a certainty. None of us can escape it. All of us are going to die. Now, the question is, and the thing that we're going to try to answer, we're going to start to answer tonight. We're not going to be able to finish this all um, tonight, but over the next couple weeks, the question that we're going to answer is, what is the afterlife like? Because you've thought about this. Everybody in the room at some point has thought about this, and different religions believe different things about this. Um, Buddhists believe that, that there's this eightfold path, you know, and at some point you ultimately just cease existing. Um, Hindus believe 
uh, that you just come back and you do it all over again. You get reincarnated. You know, you, you die and you come back as, as something else. And ultimately, you know, you want to come back as a cow because that's sacred to them. Um, Muslims believe that at some point you're going to sit before uh, Muhammad, I believe, and you're going to have this judgment based on your works and what you do. Christians, we believe what we're going to talk about in this series. And today is going to be just an introductory kind of message um, to what we believe the afterlife is like. And let, let me start by saying this. As followers of Jesus, we believe that you're going to step into eternity and you're going to step into one of two places, a place called heaven or a place called hell. And those are both very real places. They, they really do exist. And so today, I kind of want to focus on some good news and later on, we'll focus on some bad news, but let's today, let's put our anchor, let's put our hope in, in the good news so later on, you know, we've already established a foundation. And there's a reason why we're talking about this, um, not just because everyone has thought about it, but I want to explain to you tonight why you've thought about it, like why you have this desire, why maybe sometimes you stay up at night and you wrestle, you know, with the idea of eternity, or you have this something deep in your stomach or, or in your soul that this longing for what is life look like after this life? And here's why God put that inside of you. God placed this inside of all of us. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3 is going to be our theme verse for this series. It says this right here. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the human heart. So if you're wondering why, why do I think about this? Why do I think about the afterlife? Or why do I have this desire to know, is there, is there something else? Is there life beyond this life? It's because God has placed this in your heart, and it matters. And here's why all of it matters. What you believe about the afterlife determines the way you live your life. You will live your life differently based on what you believe to be true about what happens at the end of this life. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be while you're looking uh, for it. This was a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, if you're not a Christian, you have something in common with Paul because the first time we meet him, he isn't either. And he has this moment, this amazing moment, and I encourage you to go back and read it, where, where he meets Jesus, and he just is changed in a, in a moment, just like we saw many people last week experience this life change. And I'm still, like, like flying from what happened at baptisms last week. It was unbelievable seeing people's lives change, them going public with their faith. I love that. But Paul had one of those moments. And this is a letter that Paul was writing to a church that he planted. So when he had that, that life change moment, he said, I got to tell everyone I know about Jesus. I got to share this gospel with everyone. And so he goes and he plants these churches. And oftentimes the letters that he would write would be in response to some questions that the churches would write him and ask him. So he would answer their questions, but he'd also give some instruction to them along the way. And one of the questions scholars believe that the church was asking based on this content was that they were watching people die. As they would sit around and watch their grandparents die or, or sons or daughters or moms or dads die, they had the same question that you and I do. What is life like after the afterlife? In other words, what happens when we die? So this is Paul's response to that question. And he starts in verse one and he says this, for we know. 
Now I want you to highlight that in your text. I want you to circle that in your Bibles. Paul is saying, this is not something that we're speculating. This is not something that we're dreaming up. This is not something that we're just kind of imagining could be the case. He says, "Uh uh-uh, we know this. Like, this is a fact for us. And maybe some of you walked in here tonight confused. And I hope and pray that that your confusion leaves and that tonight you have some clarity, that you can leave here with with confidence. And Paul is saying, for we, we know this. We know this to be true. Everything I'm about to tell you about eternity as a follower of Jesus, you can know this and have confidence. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're here tonight and you're like, well, I'm not really sure about that. I'm not a Bible person. It's hard for me to buy into this because I don't even buy into God's word. Real quick, if that's you tonight, let me just say, I give you permission, not that you need it, but you, you, have, you have freedom to not be sure about this right now. And I just want to ask you, just hang in there till the end. Because I want to explain to you why it is that we believe this. Why it is that, that we can know that this is true. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. Now I want to stop real fast. He says a tent. I want, to, I want to talk about that. A tent, he's talking about your body, all right? This, this earthly, fleshly body that we have. For if we have this earthly tent, in fact, right now, let's play along. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a tent. Go ahead, tell him right now. Look him in the face and say, you're a tent. And maybe you don't know that person and that got really weird just now. Or maybe you don't know that person and they're attractive and you're thinking you're a good looking tent and that's fine. You can work that out later on. But Paul wants you and I to know and understand that we are a tent. Now, the thing about tents is they are temporary. They're temporary. They're not eternal. Like this this body, this earthly, fleshly body that we have, he wants you and I to understand that we are a tent. And our tent can be destroyed. Now, I enjoy camping. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do, but I, but I enjoy going camping. If it was between, um, you know, going to the beach, you know, and staying at a resort for seven days or going out in the woods and pretending like I'm homeless for seven days, I'm definitely going to the beach, all right? But I like to go camping. And in college, most every single weekend, a bunch of guys, we would get together and we'd go camping at the Red River Gorge in Kentucky. And it was a great place to go rappelling, to go climbing, just to, just to have fun, just to be guys and just kind of kick around. And so most weekends when it was nice, we would go. And we'd just gather whatever kind of gear that we had. Most of the time we would just sleep out in hammocks. You know, we'd just find two trees and sleep out under the stars. And we had a great time. But one day, um, my friends came in. They said, hey, it's going to storm this weekend, so let's not go camping. And we all decided, well, actually, that might be kind of fun. So let's go camping. Even knowing that the storm was coming, and my buddy said, we got a tent. I'm like, awesome, let's go do this. So we get out there, we set up the tent, and we're seeing the storm come in, and it's beautiful. It's awesome. We hiked in about two miles to get to where we were camping. And this storm comes in, and it's great, and it's nice, and we get in our tents, you know, and try to go to sleep. You know what I discovered? Tents suck. (laughs) Tents are terrible in storms. We woke up soaked. We woke up freezing and cold. It was terrible. And I'm reading through 2 Corinthians 5 going, I'm a tent. I'm a tent. And my tent can be destroyed. And he says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, 
Then, and I love this, this gives me so much encouragement. We have a building from God, an eternal house. We have an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. We're gonna talk about heaven. And the thing that that I love, the thing that I, I like to focus on is the fact that that last phrase right there, that we have a home in heaven that is built by the hands of God, that it's not built by, by human hands. And no matter how, how good a builder is, like if it's built by human hands, it's not gonna last. But if it's built by an eternal God, it will last. And again, I don't care how good your builder is. Maybe everyone in this room has a bad builder kind of story. I know Kristen and I do. Um, we, we had our house built about 10 years ago or so. Um, and I say we had it built, but we didn't really build it. It was a spec home, so we couldn't change anything about the house. We just got to pick out the color of the siding. That's pretty much all we got to do. Um, but we had this home built, and part of the deal was they were gonna redo or finish the basement. And it was great. We had a great builder. We had great supplies, great stuff, great materials, great, great you know, contractors, and it was all fine until winter hit. And our house was warm and it's great, but we go down the basement and it was freezing. And we couldn't understand why it was freezing in this finished basement that we had until one day we recognized the fact that there was no HVAC in the basement at all. We didn't have any heat in the basement. And I don't care, like he's a great builder, but something that's built by human hands, you know, will not last, is not the best. And you might have a bad home story. You might have a bad like building kind of story or some experience like that, but even the best built house is going to fall apart. And Paul tells us right here that we have a place in heaven, not built by human hands, but built by the hands of God. And we can speculate about heaven, and we can talk about what the Bible says about heaven, and we are going to next week, and I can't wait to share that with you. It's gonna be incredible. But here's what we know. Like, it's going to be, more amazing than anything you and I have ever experienced in our lives because the only thing you and I have experienced are things that are built by human hands. But heaven's gonna be a place that's built by the hands of God and it will last. And the reason I'm excited about that is because I have a grandfather that I've never met. That sickness destroyed his earthly tent before I was even born. And today, he was a missionary on the border of Texas and Mexico and Laredo. And today, he is in the presence of God, and he doesn't have a tent anymore. He has an eternal home. Today, he, he doesn't have pain anymore from that sickness. He is celebrating in his eternal home. And many of you in this room, you have friends, you have family members whose lives have been taken by cancer or maybe Alzheimer's. And this should bring you comfort that they're in the presence of God and they're no longer in a tent. They're no longer in pain. They're experiencing celebration because they're an eternal in an eternal home built by the hands of God. I love that. He goes on to say in verse two, meanwhile, we groan. Now, if you're over 40 in the room tonight, you understand that. Because you woke up from your nap this afternoon because you were lazy and you slept in. And you got out of bed, and you're like, ugh. Like, you groan, right? You get this. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because, look at verse 3. When we are clothed, we will not be found naked. 
I love the Bible. Some of you, you might disagree. You might be like, I don't believe a word the Bible says. You got to give me verse 3 right there. When you're clothed, you will not be found naked. (laughs) Amen. For while we are in this, this tent, we groan. For while we're in this tent, we groan and we are burdened. I was thinking about this, and I thought when I was growing up as a kid, I thought that I would never see 30 years old because I thought people who were 30 years old were ancient. Like, there's no way anyone can live to be 30 years old, right? Hey, 30 for me is a long and gone, all right? Like, I'm 42 now, and I don't even know what old is. Like, some of you are 30. You're younger than 30. You all look like babies to me right now. I can't even define what old is, but here's what I do know. My tent is being torn down, and I feel it. I feel it. Like, I'm losing my vision. I don't have as good as eyesight as I used to have. I could, when I was little, I could go skateboard all day long, and I could fall and take spills, you know, and get up, and I wasn't sore at all. Now, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I pull a hammy going to the bathroom, all right? I'm serious. I'm getting old, and we all feel that. We understand that, and I'm terrified I used to be terrified of, of turning 40, and now that I'm 42, but because when you turn 40, traditionally what they've said, your family doctor would say, well, you got to come in now when you're 40, and you got to get your prostate checked. Thank you. And when I discovered how they checked that, I'm just thankful. Like, I think they've changed it. Have they changed it to 50 now? 60, hopefully, 70. I don't know if I'm ever going to get that checked. Like, I'm just thankful I got some time, but I was, I was terrified of that. The body starts to break down. The tent starts to break down. Some of you are like, well, that's, you know, you're just talking about the guys. You know, what about the girls? Um, gravity, all right? That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> about the girls. But we groan, and we are burdened, and it's this realization that you and I are in this tent and tents are temporary. And one day, we're going to step into eternity. And it's not because, you know, we're bad people. It's because we have a tent. We have a tent. And we're reminded of that when we're grown and when we are, are burdened. And now that I'm 42 years old, I think, you know what's weird? Is I've seen friends and people younger than me that have now passed on. And I think about all the the ways, you know, we try to fight this. We try to to cheat this. We try to cheat death. But there's nothing that you and I can do. But here's the good news. Look at verse 4. But because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Watch this. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up and it doesn't say when your, your mortal tent dies, you're going to be swallowed up by death. What does it say? Maybe swallowed up by life. You know what that means? As a follower of Jesus, death is not the end. It's not the end. There's something more. It doesn't say we'll be swallowed up by death. It says we'll be swallowed up by life. Something greater than you and I could ever even imagine. Have you ever noticed that nothing in this world can completely satisfy you? Like nothing. There's nothing in this this world that can bring 
permanent satisfaction or wholeness to your life, which means that you and I were created for something much more. Means that you and I, when we do lay awake at night, we think about, is there more to this life than this life? We can be reminded that Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that, yes, there is. That God set that in your heart. He set eternity in our heart. And Paul said, when we die, we don't get swallowed up by death, but by life. And that is being in the presence of God, understanding that he's making everything right in his time in a place that's, that's not built by man's hands, but by God's hands. He goes on to say this, and this is so cool, verse 5. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. Translation, you were created for eternity. Is that, like, what does that do when you hear that? You and I were created more for more than just this life. That we were created for something beyond this. We were created for eternity. He says, uh, God created this way who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God said, I've given you this Holy Spirit. And here's why I've given you the spirit of God. So that you don't have to go around anxious about this. So that you don't have to be worried about this. So you don't always have to have this, this question or confusion about what happens after this life. That you can have confidence in this. You don't have to freak out about the afterlife because as a Christian, when you die, death doesn't swallow you up. Life does. He continues verse six. Therefore, we are always confident. Underline that word. Highlight that word. In this passage, Paul repeats three words two times. He repeats the word, is not in this one, but he repeats the word tent twice. He repeats the word groan twice. And now we're going to see him repeat this word right here, that you and I can have confidence. Remember, in verse 1, it said those first three words, for we know. We can know this. You can know this today. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. I love that. Verse 8, we are confident, I say. And I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, Paul says, if we're not in our tent and you're a follower of Jesus, then you are in your permanent home built by the hands of God. And you should find comfort in that, not confusion in that. That's, that's great news. But here's the thing. Some of you still, you might be saying, all right, but how do we know for sure? Like, Colby, really, how do, I, how do I know this for sure? And you know what? That's a fair question. I'll give you that question. Here's how I'll respond. I'm a big college football fan. I love college football. And uh, I don't really like professional football that much. I'm, I'm not a big NFL fan. I know some of you are diehard Steelers fans, and that's great. And I talk a lot of smack about the Dallas Cowboys, but whatever. I'm more of a college football fan. I just love seeing these, these young guys just, just go at it. But I looked this up. The, the greatest defeat ever in college football history happened in 1916. It was when Georgia Tech beat Cumberland College 222 to zero. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an official butt whooping right there. That's opening up a can on somebody, right? I mean, even if you don't like college football, you'll have to agree with me that 
That's terrible right there. Georgia Tech rushed in this game for over 1,000 yards. They didn't throw one single pass in this game. Rushed for over 1,000 yards. Like, nobody's looking at that score going, you know what, I think Cumberland's still got a chance. You know, we're getting to the fourth quarter. I think we finally figured out their offense, right? That scoreboard tells a story, does it not? It tells a story. In fact, Cumberland rushed for, get this, negative 197 yards. You should be ashamed of yourself. Like, if I'm the president of Cumberland College, I'm, like, shutting the school down. I'm revoking everybody's degree. That scoreboard tells a story. And here's the thing. Many people would say, well, well, that's great. That's awesome. Man, wouldn't it be so cool if for Christians we had a scoreboard, you know, that, that kind of told, told a story? We do. Here's our scoreboard right here. That's an empty tomb. Hey, 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 we are not just talking about death. We are not just speculating about death. We are not following a guy who's written down some words about death, who philosophizes, yeah, I think that's right, about death. Like, we're following a man who walked through death. And because he walked through death, you and I can do the same. We are made for eternity. This This is a tomb. This is the garden tomb in Israel. I took this picture myself. Yes, I was there. You can come too in November if you want. But I took this picture myself. And this is where many people believe um, that, that Jesus was buried after being crucified on the cross. And he got up three days later and he walked through death. He faced it. He didn't dodge it. He walked right through it. And he rose again. And because he rose again, you and I, as followers of Jesus, Paul says, we can have complete confidence in this. Again, this is not speculation. This is clarity. This is confidence. In fact, I love uh, what Hebrews says. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, since the children, that would be us, have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of that death. That is the devil. Verse 15. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. In other words, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to be anxious about this. You don't have to live in fear of what happens in the afterlife. You don't have to live in fear of death. Followers of Jesus, when we die, we're not swallowed up by it but we're swallowed up by life and we enter into a place that we can't even imagine that wasn't built by our hands, but built by God's hands. So today you can have complete confidence in that. And so I would tell you this tonight, you've got two options. Either death will destroy you or Jesus will destroy death for you. And the big difference in those are what you do with the empty tomb. Like, I know we celebrated Easter last week. You're like, Colby, hey, man, you're a week late. No, I'm not. Like, it's, it's Easter every day. And you get to decide what you do with Jesus Christ. Either he will destroy death for you, or you can be destroyed by it. I was almost destroyed by it. In, uh, in 1993, um, 
I, I almost died, and, and I, I literally almost died. Now, some people will say literally, but they don't mean literally, right? You know, they mean figuratively. Like some people say, I'm so hungry, I could literally eat a horse. No, you couldn't, dummy. Stop saying that. <laughs> but I literally, literally almost died. I just got out of high school. Um, in fact, I think it was my, my summer home after my first semester in college uh, in Kentucky, and I came home. And uh, I was at the James River in Richmond, Virginia, playing on this dam right here. This is Bosher Dam. And you can look this up. But Bosher Dam is known in Richmond on the James River as a drowning machine. And the reason why is it's a 12-foot-high dam, but it's got such power as the water rushes over the dam that it creates this massive, like, hydraulic that's just, just underneath there, just churning. And when boaters, you know, either go over it or get stuck in it or people swimming, you know, in it, get caught in it, a lot of times they don't make it out. And so this summer, we had a big storm, and kind of like these trees, but there was this massive tree that was stuck on the dam here and just kind of strung down into the water here. It was just kind of laying there across the dam. And so... Whenever that happened, and we'd done this before, we'd walk on the dam, we'd jump out into the water, and we'd, you know, hopefully the current would take us down, and we'd grab the tree, and we'd climb ourselves right back up the tree and do it again. Except this one day, where we're down on this tree, and my buddy asked me, I'm 18 years old at the time, you know, invincible at 18 years old, and he says, hey, do you think you're strong enough? And you know, as soon as somebody asks you that, do you think you're strong enough? Yes, the answer is yes. No matter what you're going to say next, yes, I'm strong enough. You think you're strong enough to swim up the current, you know, all the way to the dam? Absolutely. And so I swim up the current, and I get to the dam. I get to where the water's breaking over the side, and I immediately get sucked down just like that. And just, just pulled under and just kind of flipping all, all around. And, and I was just fighting for my life. And I was trying to swim up to the top. And you could tell, you know, which way the bubbles were going. I could tell which way the light was coming from the surface. So I'd, I'd do my best to get up to the top. And I feel like I'm getting close. And I get sucked right back down again. Over and over and over. And one time, one time my hand broke the surface of the water. I'm fully convinced. My hand broke the surface of the water, and I thought I was going to make it out, got sucked right back down, and I had no more breath left, and I was exhausted. And in that moment, three things went through my mind. The first was this. My little brother was there with us. And I said, please, God, don't let him jump in after me. Because you've heard those stories, right? Somebody always gets stuck in the water and then someone else will go in after them and many times both people end up drowning. Like, don't, dear God, don't let my younger brother jump in after me. Because I knew he was terrified. And, and believe me, this, this happened fast. It wasn't like I was underwater forever, but to me it felt like an eternity. So I had that and then I had... The next thing was all these mental images, these pictures, and it really happened like just this flood, this Rolodex of, of memories of family just kind of filing through my mind, just racing through my mind. And then the last thing, because I was tired and I was done, was, dear God, this is how it's all going to end. And I knew I was dead, knew I was dead, without a shadow of a doubt. And I just gave up. And do you know the moment I gave up, like, my hand was resting on this tree that had been hanging over the dam. And to this day, I know God rescued me. God saved me in that moment. 
I believe that. But I'm thinking about this message. I'm thinking about the afterlife. Here's, here's what I know. You and I, we are way more fragile than we think. The Bible says that this life is like a mist. It is here for a short while and then it's gone. Just like that. It's a vapor. And a lot of times we don't treat it that way. And a lot of times we think we can fight it. And I'm just begging you, man, that this is an issue you need to get some some confidence in. You need to find some clarity in. Like today. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, you can live in complete confidence that because Jesus rose from the dead, like so can you. And when you die, it's not death that gets you, it's life that gets you. And if you're a Christian today, you know what about 5 billion people on this planet do not know is what we're talking about. And maybe today you're here and and you're just, you're starting to gain some clarity in this. Here's what you need to know. Jesus was here. We follow a man that was here and now he's not. He died and he rose to life again. And because he did, like you can live with confidence too. And I wanna give you that chance right now. In fact, let's bow our head across the room tonight. Many of us have thought about this question before, over and over, maybe perhaps. Maybe you've thought about this recently as a loved one has passed away or a family member and you're thinking now, you know, is there life after this life or what happens next? I'm here to tell you today that there is. There is. And I'm not telling that you need to follow Jesus tonight because you want to live in eternity. I think you do, and I think that's a great reason to. But I'm telling you, you need to follow Jesus tonight so you can live a full life here and now. So you can make the most of what you have here and now. And the way we do that is is through prayer. We confess our sins to God. We confess our sins to the one who came to take our sins from us. And as we do, we repent, we turn from those, and we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And as you do, you can live with complete confidence. You're not going to be perfect. Life is going to get you. It's going to be tough. But you have full confidence that when you move on, you are not going to be swallowed up by death, but swallowed up by life. And many of you in this room tonight, that's the decision you need to make is to put your trust in Jesus. And let me pray this prayer with you. For those of you that that wanna make that commitment, simple, the most important part is that you believe it in your heart. You say, Jesus, tonight, I give myself to you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of, of doing life apart from you. Forgive me for going my own way. And from this moment on, I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you. I want to live not in confusion, but in confidence. And so tonight, I surrender my life to the one who surrendered his life for me, that I might gain life. And so I confess you as Lord. Just tell him that again. I confess you as Lord and Savior. And tonight, you have all of me. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.